Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. Today is going to be very, very, very important because it revolves all around trusts. So particularly, I'm going to talk about revocable trusts, what they do, why are they important, and usually when you would need one. So this episode really dives deep into estate planning and is one of the most important episodes of my channel. So make sure you turn off all distractions and make that espresso a double shot. I will give you guys a heads up and tell you that this episode will be a little longer than most, but that's just because it is so important. Alrighty, let's get started. So my first question is, what is a revocable trust? So a revocable trust is created by individuals assigning a trustee to manage and distribute the assets to the beneficiaries after the owner's death. So a revocable trust is just what it says in the name. It's revocable. So that means it can be changed at any time. I mean, it could be changed even a hundred times if you wanted to, but obviously that's not recommended. This revocable trust document creates like an alter ego. So it uses your same social security. There's no extra taxes paid for it. It's like, in the words of my boss, taking your keys from one pocket and putting it into another. We like to refer to trust as buckets. Because once you create the trust, you create this big pot or bucket to fill assets in. Now, in this trust, you have to set up exactly how you would like your assets to go. So you actually have to name a trustee. The trustee is the person who will be in charge of all your assets. Most of the time, you know, our clients are usually his or her own trustee until she either becomes incapacitated or she passes away. So in that case, you would name a successor trustee to continue your affairs as if you were still alive. So just to recap, you would be your own trustee of your revocable trust. Again, you can change it as many times as you want. You are in charge of it. However, in the event that you do get incapacitated or you pass away, we would name a successor trustee to continue and distribute everything according to your wishes. One of the beneficial things about having a trust is that it's all private. Nothing's going through the court system. No one has public records of your trust document. So it's it's very comforting for our clients to know that their decisions on who's going to get their assets or their pick on who is the trustee is completely private. So I have a little segment called Extra Advice from Mel. And I always like to add this in because I think it's very important. Um, I always recommend to clients that choosing the successor trustee is, is a big deal. You know, you want someone whom you trust. Think about it. They're going to be in charge of all your assets They'll be in charge of distributing them the way that you want it and more. And you want to make sure that this person is going to follow your wishes because most of the time they're conducting their actions privately without anyone to monitor or supervise them. So the same way that it's a benefit that, you know, your trust is going to be private, 
your trustee is also going to be doing these actions privately without having a court supervise them or without having, you know, anyone else making sure that they're doing everything properly. I mean, you if you would like to have them monitor or supervised, you should either decide on a new trustee because there are definitely trust issues or, I mean, you can always assign a financial institution like a bank or someone you know who does financial advising. But as a side note, you should know that financial institutions can get very costly and some actually have minimum account assets in order to have them as trustee. Like, let's say, for example, Truist Bank, you might need more than a million dollars in order to assign them as a successor trustee. It's just an example, not really accurate, but just so you guys are aware. Anyways, back to defining more characteristics of revocable trust so basically once you create this trust bucket you then can assign different beneficiaries different gifts and so forth for example i mean you might want to give a specific gift of five thousand dollars to a particular person or even a house to only two out of the four kids and so on so those would be considered specific gifts And don't forget, when it comes to real property, you have to make sure that the title is in the right format for distribution, which is um, what we went over in my last podcast. But So to get a little bit more complex without spinning your heads, you could create sub-trusts within your revocable trusts. I'll show you some examples. Okay, so let's go through an example so you guys can understand a little bit better what a subtrust in your revocable trust can do. So let's say you have one child from a previous marriage and you decide to get married again to a new woman that already has two children. You create a revocable trust and in that revocable trust, you create a subtrust, a marital trust. Now, why would you need a marital trust? Well, Let's say that marital trust could provide for your new spouse. It could give her income, any other payments that she would need necessary to support her during her lifetime. And then when she passes, that trust could terminate and distribute to your only child, the child that you had from the previous marriage. Now let's take a closer look at this example. You would be providing for your new wife and you would be providing for your only child. Let's flip things around this time. Let's say you didn't create this sub-trust within your revocable trust. You didn't create this marital trust. And you just left everything outright to your new spouse. Well, she would inherit all of your money. And then she would leave it to whomever she wants. In this case, she might leave only assets to her two kids rather than giving to your own natural child. Therefore, your child would be left without an inheritance. So marital trusts are very good for blended families. We can include subtrusts within your trust so that you can provide for your new spouse during her lifetime, but then you can designate a person when she passes and it can go back to your kids. You know, other situations are a little bit more complex you know, again, the blended family situation can require different subtrusts. And as you guys know, not everyone's story is the same. So with every new estate plan comes different planning strategies and intentions.
So the second question I want to address today is when would I need a trust? I always have people who are curious to know when they need a will or a trust. And as any truly good attorney says, the answer is it depends. What does it depend on? Well, your assets. That is exactly why you have an estate plan for everybody. What is always good to know or to have is a list of all your assets. I'm talking about a house, a small bank account, it could be an IRA, it could be a 401k, even if it has $3, that's an asset. Any life insurance policies, any businesses you might own, even that Robinhood account that you think has 100 bucks, you should always have a list of all of them. And then now you look at that list of all your assets and you see what they are titled as. Remember how important it was to look at the titling of real property to see how the interest would pass after death? Well, it's just as important to know how your assets are titled in other things for them to pass according how you want them to. So let's say you have a business, a brokerage account, and a bank account all in your name. All of those would go through probate since it's only in your name. So in that case, you would need a trust to place all those assets inside to avoid the probate process. On the other hand, let's say you're married, you're not single, and you guys have a house, a joint bank account, and, and an IRA. Well, the house is in both names and it passes by tenants by the entirety. Remember the last episode? And then the joint bank account also passes to the other when one passes. Now, what's important to know is IRAs, 401ks, they always have named beneficiaries. So those are going to go according to the named beneficiaries. So in this case, this last example, technically there are no assets in your sole name because you have them joint with your spouse or you have an IRA that has a named beneficiary. And therefore, you won't actually have to go into probate and you won't need a trust. So I'm actually going to make a video on my Instagram, which you can find me at Mel, M-E-L, Gonzalez, G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z, 630, which I'm going to help paint a picture of the examples I just mentioned. It's all about putting the assets you have in the right column to see how they will go once you pass. I will have that video up when I post this podcast, so go check it out. So lastly, the third question I want to address is, okay, I made my revocable trust, what is next? So once the trust is created, you have to fund it. I added this tip to my Instagram page because it's so important. What is a trust with nothing in it? It's an empty bucket, guys. You probably just spent a good amount of money to make this trust. And now you're going to put it to waste because you didn't actually transfer your assets in it. So anyways, in order to transfer your assets, you have to go one by one with that list that you should have and verify the title. So let's say you had a bank account in your name and you wanted to place it in the trust. Well, you would just go to your bank, 
you probably could call now with COVID. I'm not sure if uh, you still have to go in person, maybe. But you would basically say, I want to rename my bank account and put it under you as trustee of your trust. So let's say your name is Jane Doe. Instead of having your bank account name as Jane Doe, it would be Jane Doe as trustee of the Jane Doe Trust. That's it. So changing the ownership of the bank account now puts it in your trust and your trust is the new owner. Sometimes banks require your trust for this process, like they'll request a copy of it. However, our office actually does a short form of your trust, which is called a certificate of trust. And that has all the necessary information for you to transfer your assets. So you don't really need to give the bank all your personal information, just what they need. So to move on to another example, let's say you have a house, which is not your homestead. Okay, remember homestead is a completely different beast. But let's say you have an investment property and you want the trust to own it. Well, you would prepare a deed. A Well, a lawyer would do that for you, but you get the point. You'd get a deed and you would put yourself as the grantor and then you would put you as the trustee of your trust as the grantee. So it's going from you to you as the trustee of your trust. And record that thing and that's it. Again, sometimes property recording offices require the trust, the certificate of trust. But once that provided, the title will change. So the point of this question is to make sure that once you create your revocable trust, you don't just leave it empty. You now have to transfer everything into it to be distributed according to your intent and you would avoid the entire probate process, which again could be very long and very costly. Thanks, guys, for listening. I know revocable trust can be a little bit hard to understand, and it was a pretty informational episode. But trusts are the fundamental part about estate planning and how to have your assets distributed to your beneficiaries in a cohesive and smooth manner. Remember, you can always contact me at my email, willing to learn, trusting to do at gmail.com. And as always, I always love to say, a goal without a plan is just a wish. Have a great day, everyone, and I can't wait to hear from you.